Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Coming up in this edition of the TV Black Box, just why is the right trying to push Ita Buttrose out of the ABC? 7 and 10 go big as they start selling their next wave of programming and the blurry line between private and professional social media accounts. Welcome to the podcast where people in the TV industry get their news. TV Black Box is about to start. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This is TV Black Box. Bringing you the inside goss from the TV industry. Hello, another big week of television for us to dissect. Joining me is none other than Sarah Monaghan. Hello, Sarah. Hello. Uh, If there's any random noises, blame it on my husband leaving me with the puppy. (laughs) Rod Morris is in the house. Hello, Rod. Hello, Rob. No four-legged friends with me here in Sydney at the moment. Indeed. Aaron Ryan, all the way from WA. Hello, Aaron. Yes, good morning, gorgeous people. And, Malk, you're with us as well. Good to have you here, sir. Oh, look, what a generous welcome that is. Thank you, Rob. No, absolutely. Uh, pleased to have you back on the team. We missed you when you're when you were having your sojourn, so we should say. I work for a living, man. <laughs> well, I'm glad you can fit us in. Hey, before we move on, make sure you are getting all the latest information delivered to your inbox by subscribing to the TV Black Box newsletter. And you can do that just by going to tvblackbox.com.au slash newsletter. And unlike other newsletters, I will include stories from other publications. So if you want a cheat sheet to what's happening on the day, you need to get into the TV Black Box newsletter. We do not send it absolutely every day. If there's nothing happening, we won't spam your inbox. But when there's news you need to know about, this is the newsletter for you. Whether it's from News Corp, Daily Mail, The Guardian, us, we will give you all the stories and any other source as well. We don't care. So go to tvblackbox.com.au slash newsletter. All right, let's get into the news stories of the week. Because Liberal power broker Michael Kroger has launched an attack on ABC chairperson Ida Buttrose and called for her to resign. Appearing on Sky News, he said shows like Four Corners and Q&A have been weaponised against the coalition and went on to say, and I quote, Ida has been a terrible failure and I know there are many people in the coalition, including people in the cabinet, who regret her appointment. She and some of those board members should go. This week, Andrew Bolt chimed in with an opinion piece for the Herald Sun and has also called for Ita's resignation, saying the ABC shamelessly breaks the law, misuses public money and does hit jobs on its enemies and ended his article with the words, Ida Buttrose must go. What do you think, Rod? Do these men have a point? That's a hell of a headline. Uh, No, I, I don't think they do. And... To quote, I think it was Jim Acosta, the CNN uh, political correspondent, he said last year when Donald Tr- Trump kept attacking them, he said, uh, a journalist's job is to hold a match to politicians' feet, not massage them. And I think that's all that any journalists are doing. Okay, at Sky, they might be leaning to the right and they, they might be looking after their liberal friends. There might be certain people at the ABC that don't like the right and they, they sort of are slightly left biased. But the fact is, that's what a journalist's job is, to hold a match to the politician's feet. Isn't that what they're doing? 
The problem here is if you look at where they're coming from, and look, I have to declare my bias. I'm obviously friends with Ita. Uh, she worked for me for five years. I got very close to her during that time. I do consider her a friend. I think this is outrageous commentary. The chairperson yeah. of the ABC doesn't have as much influence as maybe the chairperson of News Corp has where, or, or any other organisation where they can directly influence. She cannot influence or she cannot dictate editorial control. There are big distinctions between the board and the editorial management of the ABC. Of course, she has the ear of these people and can have discussions with them. But I get the feeling calling for Ida is the way of getting a big scalp and putting the ABC on notice. But if you are from the right, Rod, you have to admit that the ABC has perceptually targeted the right over the past year with the Christian Porter, yep. uh, Canberra bubble story with the defamation proceedings we've just had. They're working on a QAnon story. And look, the idea that the Prime Minister is sympathetic to QAnon just reeks of, yeah. come on, uh, yeah. seriously? S some of the reporting's probably over the top. But, yeah, to say that the ABC shamelessly breaks the law, and like it, it, it talks mm. as if, you know, Ida sits down with a committee of people and go, right, what else can we do to piss off the right in this country? I'm sure they don't. And as you say, I'm sure, as Ida should be, she'd be very hands-off and the journos are doing their job. And if the journos are doing something wrong, well, play it out in the courts like they have with the Christian Porter case. Yeah, and, and we've talked about this, Mark, that the the spin about the Christian Porter defamation settlement is just out of control with the way that's tried to be spun. Um, but... I've got to say, Louise Milligan is a journalist I really admire. You know, if she tells me something, I do believe it. She's thorough. I remember her at the Seven Newsroom when I was working there. She is a thorough journalist. There is a big culture war going on at the moment, isn't there? <sighs> Buckle in, friends. <laughs> Louise Milligan, along with a number of other, uh, you know, reporters and journalists of her experience across the networks, do incredible work. They are absolutely there to help unearth stories and deliver to us um, information and, and, and news around stuff that we might not be privy to. That's their, that's their gig. Um, for the ABC to be consistently targeted and defunded as the, the Liberal National Coalition federally have done since they've gotten into power is diabolical. There is no way that they can, on one hand, suggest that they're doing a bad job and they're picking on us and all of those sorts of things, and then, with the other hand, take money from them so that they don't have an opportunity to make it better, if that's what they're wanting, um, is just absolutely shameless. Um, Andrew Bolt is not even worth talking about. He's a man whose opinions are abhorrent and don't need any further airtime. Michael Kroger <laughs> has proven his irrelevancy and doesn't need to be drawn into this debate. Um, the, the challenge around the ABC is that they cannot win. They are always, always pilloried by the government of the day because their job, understandably, is to go and look at what's going on and try and reveal to us what's actually going on. And in doing so, Oh, we're being picked on. Oh, they're telling. Oh, they've got a bias against us. The Labor Party did the same thing when they were in power, and so now for the last what is it, twelve years? I think that we've had um, a Liberal National Coalition government with a Liberal Party Prime Minister. They've just been doing the same thing. Oh, they're picking on us. Oh, they're not telling the right stories. Um, I can't suggest to know what the the QAnon story is. This most recent Four Corners thing that is uh, still getting some more. Um, research done to it, I, I trust Sally Neighbour and Louise Milligan to know that there's a story there if they're chasing it. Um, I, I don't know that it's necessarily to say that the Prime Minister is sympathetic to QAnon. As far as I understand it, it's that one of his closest advisors or friends is a, a massive QAnon supporter. And that in mm. itself, I think, is the concern. But if we ever get to see that story, we'll be able to have an opinion on it. Um, coming sure. after the can I, chair... Can I jump in? Because I want to ask you something. Sure. You, you mentioned Andrew Bolt there, but... Is this a problem with the left versus right that people don't see that Andrew Bolt does reflect the views of Australians? I have a belief that Australia is centre to the right, that as political leaning, and we see that with successive governments, okay? So when you're on uh, a harder form of the left, that it alienates midstream Australia, but he, on the right, does speak for some Australians, 
Oh, he speaks for some Australians the same way that, you know, every other journalist speak for some Australians. I don't think that Andrew Bolt has it in his back pocket that he speaks for most Australians. He's not centre-right by any extreme. And he's proven that time and time again. I think that there are absolutely people I just don't think you can write him off. That's all I'm saying. I I think that he holds um, less editorial sway than some podcasters in Australia and has a smaller audience. There are podcasters Uh, in Australia that have bigger audiences than Andrew Bolt. Well, through his platforms of Sky News and the Herald Sun, the Daily Telegraph, I don't think that's true. Is, is there one you could quote there, Monk? I'm just curious. It's an interesting uh, Will statement. Anderson and Charlie Clawson uh, on TOEFOP have a bigger audience than Andrew Bolt does. In terms of what? Are you it, talking about Bolt's cumulative audience? He's, yes. Bolt is amplified when his commentary is picked up. There are many ways to gauge... His direct audience, not the people commenting on things that Andrew Bolt says, the stuff that he directly puts out to his readers slash viewers. Well, I don't know the um, audience figures for TOEFOP, but that's besides the point anyway, uh, the, the audience reach. We're talking about here the idea that the right are attacking ITAR. And where is this coming from? What are they trying to achieve, Aaron? Well, I'm kind of with Malka. I mentioned last week about the quality of journalism that regional viewers are about to get with the loss of some local news, uh, like they're going to have Sky News with Andrew Bolt, Peter Credlin, and Alan Jones. <laughs> this item piece is another piece of quality journalism from Andrew Bolt. Well done. That's all I've got to say. I just don't think... I think this is a mistake to write people like Andrew Bolt off. And I think this is where people on the left lose the culture wars because you attack them like that over their personalities and don't look at what they're saying. Now, obviously, on this issue, I completely disagree with Andrew Bolt. I'm a big supporter of Ita. I think he's on the wrong path here. But I think to attack the man over uh, as a generalisation is a mistake. I haven't attacked his personality. Are we sliding like the US where there's never going to be any sort of centrist anymore, where we're only just going to have extreme there's left no or extreme right? There's no money in centrist journalism, mate. Yeah, well, true in journalism. But, but isn't the what, ABC what, what, supposed to be centrist? Yeah, the It's supposed policies. to be unbiased. Absolutely, Sarah. Which, which, which in itself, to have unbiased reporting, let's face it, every human being's got bias. It's impossible to have, um, you know, biasless, without biased journalism. Wouldn't you agree? But that's or? why the checks and balances are there, Rod, to help balance yeah. that out, to help make... And, and the editorial policies are, you know, they are sizable documents for a reason. That are all meant to be followed through on, you know. That's the yeah. and, and no other news service is held to account like the ABC is, having yeah. regular reviews on its content to make sure that it's unbiased. Anyone in government who has a hissy fit and says someone should be fired because they're not going my direction is also invalid. Because if you're saying, you know, they're purposely not doing stories that make us look good, then maybe you should just be a better politician and do good things and then we can, you know, show good it's things about It's entirely a political play. The Liberal Party do not want to fund the ABC. They would rather it be outsourced. They want to cease funding it. That is the end of this whole story. Yeah. That's why they're taking it. Look, I, I do true. agree with that and we've seen reports of them wanting to privatise but that would be a political death knell because people believe in the ABC and I believe in Ida Butros, and I think it will be a sad day, the day she ever leaves the ABC. And let me tell you, it will not be because of commentators or the Liberal Party. She will leave of her own volition. All right. Well, Australia's news media organisations have been fined $1 million over their coverage of Cardinal George Pell's sexual abuse convictions, which have since been overturned. The case was suppressed at the time, but overseas news outlets, who were not bound by Australian law, were reporting on the high-profile case. Some local outlets made the decision to report on the case and in February, 14 news outlets, including the Today Show, pleaded guilty to a combined 21 charges of contempt of court for breaching the suppression order. So, Aaron, is this an attack on free speech? Look, I don't think so. I believe in the judiciary system. Um, They've been found by Justice Dixon to have breached a suppression order. If that's correct, then they should be fined. Um, the court's been fined a total, or, I don't know, it was under a million dollars or six fifty thousand. I'm just wondering what, where the where the money goes. Does it does it go back into government hands, or it, it's not going to Pell? But um, no, yeah, the if, government, if they, I assume. If they've done the, if they've not followed a suppression order, then they should be fined. That's that was the law at the time. 
Sarah, you're keen to jump in here. Yeah, like, look, my case had a suppression order and I didn't understand why. And Australia is way judicious in their application of, like, every single case in Australia they try and slap, uh, like, a suppression order on. And there's no need in a lot of cases. It's just a lot of the times it's just things that there's no relevance to them being suppressed. They should just be public opinion. And... I also found it weird that some publications were fined a thousand dollars, and some were mm. fined a hundred thousand dollars, and then there was fifty thousand in the middle. And twenty. Mother like, me, it got twenty thousand dollar fine. I, th- I found that the most interesting thing: that how how wide the spread was. It was from a thousand through to four hundred thousand, which is one of the news limited ones, and that was for an online thing. It wasn't even a broadcast thing. So, one of Australia's biggest news websites. So True. it was about reach, perhaps. Yeah. So, so, well, how do they calculate that? Is is it on word count, <laughs> or is it a number of eyeballs, or or eardrums that it fell upon like if it's on reach mate let me tell you mama mia have just smashed both the adelaide advertiser (laughs) and the courier mail because courier the last two only got Got twenty thousand. i don't know if it's based on reach plus how much coverage they did on it Uh, i i'm not at liberty to say that but uh, one thing here we need to point out is pell was facing a second trial and the whole reason for the suppression was that they didn't want to prejudice the second trial that makes sense. Yes. Yeah. Oh, mate, you do the wrong thing, you get fine. That's what we're seeing here. That's the outcome. As difficult as it is in, well, the modern era of reporting journalism, because the courts still have jurisdiction in far more limited areas than the media can reach, so to mm. have a US or even an Indonesian news site reporting all of the detail and in Australia your hands are tied, that's just mm. how it has to be. Absolutely. All right, let's turn our attention to week 23 in the ratings race, and it was another big win for Seven, who took out a 30.8% network share in the five-cap cities. The blue team was off the pace with just 26.5, followed by 10 on 18.8, the ABC on 15.7, and SBS on 8.2. That pattern was repeated in the primary channel shares. Have You Been Paying Attention continues to prove audiences will watch free-to-air television in the latest slot if there's actually something worth watching. In the 25 to 54 demos, the red team took out top honours with 37.8% of the audience, followed by the blue team on 26.6 and 10 was in third on 19.6. Seven also took out the top spot in the 16 to 39s with a whopping 45.2%, followed by 9 and then 10. 10 had the top show in the under-50s demo with Have You Been Paying Attention? 7 is in fine form, Malk. Yeah, they absolutely blitzed it last week. Five nights to two over nine, uh, and that really helped to bring it home. There's no question that big pushes on Friday and Saturday with the AFL where they got massive mm-hmm. shares. It was also a big round. I think it was the Dreamtime round this weekend, wasn't it? So we had what normally would be a big game in Melbourne was shifted to Perth, and we've got a whole bunch of lockdown Melbourneites, God bless you, um, having to watch the footy from home. So the only way that they got to do it was to tune in. Um, I, I agree wholeheartedly that have you been paying attention, mate? Whatever Channel 10 are paying Working Dog, double it. Keep that <laughs> show in air as long as they can uh, because it's it's lifting their Mondays in a huge way and, as you said, reinforcing that audiences will tune in when there's an entertaining show on after whatever the reality TV is. It's a shame that we can't get drama to lift the way that, have you been paying attention is lifting the numbers post nine o'clock Contra- mm. contrasting with the that though it's sad to see the weakest link hasn't worked um as much as you know we mm. all talked about what we thought of it um it sort of rung out true like i did, didn't even see what the numbers were for last week didn't make it into the top 20 for the night um does anyone have the figures for that yeah last week the weakest link did 300k yeah and that's Total, uh, five city metro it, uh, look, game shows are something that's near and dear to my heart and to my business, so I never mm. like seeing any of them fail. Uh, sure. So it's it's sad to see it not work, but, yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting, but I think we can pretty much assume Celebrity Apprentice will be back next year. It's doing very well it's for really nine. Well. Yeah. yeah. But, Aaron, there was something you wanted to pick up from last week. Yeah, as, as Mark would say, buckle up. Um, look, so, <laughs> uh, 
Mark and I have had a few uh, different opinions on ratings, not only in terms of total people and demographics. However, during the weekly wraps, Mark has suggested that Seven's ratings are a week of two halves, inferring that Seven have a fairly weak start to the week, and then it's mainly Seven News and the AFL that carries Seven to a victory each mm-hmm. week. Um, I don't agree with that summation at all, um, as discussed last week, so I want to do a bit more uh, research on this because I really do believe it, it is misleading. So... If we look at a full week of evidence, so we look at last week, uh, week commencing the 30th of May, but this is pretty much the same if you go back to after when maths started. So Sunday night, seven wins network and primary. And aside from the 10 minutes of the boardroom on on The Apprentice, seven new spotlight was number one non-new show for the night. The movie uh, Red was described in Malt's report as a as a smaller audience hanging in. It was, of course, beaten initially by 60 minutes, but then it overtook Nine News Late Edition, and then Criminal Confessions on Seven outscored Law and Order Organised Crime. And for the 30 minutes that those two were head-to-head, Seven tripled Nine. So Seven's win on Sunday night was because of the news, Spotlight, and great late-night shares. Now, I'm not going to go through every day, but I'll just go through Monday. Seven won the network and Nine won primary by just 0.4. Now, I want to point out here that news here because Malt claims that seven start big and I've said that it's actually averaged itself out because ACA actually beats home in a way. So looking at the 90 minutes from 6pm to 7.30pm on average, nine had 982,000 viewers with nine news and ACA and seven had 941 with news and home and away. So it's 7.30 p.m., 7 start behind, and it's generally the same every night. So when 7.30 comes, nine's actually in front. Um, and then after that, there was only, you know, 5,000 viewers separating the main part of Celebrity Apprentice and Big Brother um, and stuff like that. Tuesday night, nine network, one by network by 0.3, seven one primary 0.2. So it was neck and neck. Wednesday, seven easily one network and primary. Uh, Thursday, seven wins network and nine wins primary by 0.8. So week to date, before the AFL numbers come in for Friday and Saturday, seven network was winning the week 28.3 to nine's 27.3. And the primary channel was neck and neck, seven in front, 19.5 to 19.4. So the last thing I'll, you know, sort of say in conclusion is the win that seven gets at the end of the week and using last week consistent performance by seven news big brother beating celebrity apprentice aside from the boardroom parts um good the good doctor beat the weakest link the resident beat kath and kim and tripled it in part of its time slot steady performance for 911 the movie red giving seven big late night shares seven news spotlight doing well the front bar doing well the hangover actually beat nine combined with the footy classified and new Amsterdam and the latest on seven news usually beats on most nights nine news late edition so suggesting that that seven win seven news and the AFL is just completely misleading they actually dominate in a number of time slots and um you know that's that's the way it is so well I love a bit of research I'll give you that well (laughs) done well done (laughs) um a bit confused, but I think what you're saying is seven are doing better in the first part of the week than what we gave them credit for. Mark, what do you think of that? Oh, look, I acknowledged last week that seven won five out of the seven nights. Like, there's no, I'm not, I'm not trying to hide the fact that anybody wins anything else. I think that some of the math that Aaron's used is spurious at best. Um, <laughs> in what way, Mark? Well, it, that we don't know they, how Aaron? long the boardroom segment stands for. Is it the last half hour of the show? Is it 15 minutes? It's is it 15 five minutes? minutes. I can tell you that it's 15 minutes. We can't dissociate it from the front half of the, the front three quarters of the show it's part of the show that seven that nine rather choose to to split code it is honestly to their loss quite frankly but I, I get why they do it doing it every night is a nightmare um you can't compare big brother which runs for 90 minutes and only gives us that to an hour of big brother an hour of or an hour of 15 of celebrity apprentice and say that this beats that it's not just as me averaging the two together and saying this one beats that one is is tough it's not it's not actual factual figures because we don't get them All but we, we can, can go, go off the, the that shares that aaron's talked about and so when we look at the shares seven mm. are doing well in the first part of the week yes let they're coming home like with the with the try of the century in the last few days <laughs> thanks to <laughs> yeah. afl i don't know there aren't tries in afl that's are right. so really bad attraction to sports ball, Rob. That's fine. Um, it, look, it, it is it is absolutely a wrestle, and Celebrity Apprentice hasn't lifted Nine's hopes the way that I think Merit at First Sight did, and the way they would have wanted it to. 
Celebrity Apprentice is about to finish and who knows how it's going to play out and the Olympics are coming. So everything is going to get really messy in numbers for the next probably eight to 12 weeks anyway. It's going to be a whole bunch of fun in that regard. Um, I think that the six to seven o'clock time slot versus the seven to midnight time slot is a very different tale between seven and nine and 10. Um, because 10, as we talked about last week, and I expect we'll hear for Monday night this week, have you been t- paying attention the highest rating um, entertainment show? Smashing it, but nowhere near close to news numbers. I, I just um, wanted to jump in on split coding. I hate it. We all hate it. Mm. Um, what are the rules regarding it? Like, there if, are if, 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 Well, that's just it. So so why why couldn't say, you know, it's seven? Like in, in the UK... Um, ITV used to market the chases, the, the most exciting two minutes in television. I think that was the line they used. Well, why don't you hmm. split code and get down to the chase and say, oh, let's have a five-minute window there just before the seven years. There is a rule that it has years. to be oh. 15 minutes. Oh, okay. It so has there to is be a 15-minute right. block. Yeah, okay. As long as there's some... Whose r- rule some... is that, Rox? I don't know where that rule is, but I know that is a thing. It is, uh, it's well, got to be a 15-minute block. Unless it's a new one, it hasn't been in the past because we have had split codes that were five-minute segments. No, I think there was an uproar about that, and uh, I don't know if it's a gentleman's agreement or not, but I do know that you can't split code under 15 minutes. Oh. Either way, it's not cool because no, the boardroom I... technically runs for the last half hour of Celebrity Apprentices airing. A show so, is a show, I reckon. You should, the show should be, exactly judged, show should be judged show. In, its, in its entirety, not its last 15 minutes. I will give possibly for finales, but week, like every episode, that's a yeah. joke. Agreed. The network's own Oztam, and they're all looking for the best results and <laughs> the best sure numbers, are. so that's not going to change. Aaron, uh, I'll give you one last quick response to Mug before we move on. Yeah, look, I just sort of say again, the point was that, that Seven News and AFL carry Seven. Um, and to not mention some of the other time slots, I mean, you can look at Big Brother and say something about this 10-minute coding business. But, I mean, as I said, the good doctor beats the weakest link. The resident beats Kath and Kim. Better Homes and Gardens does well. The movies actually give them huge late-night shares. Um, the front bar's killing it, and so is the latest on, on 7 Yeah, but news. the front bar's so, all so over the place in the schedule. Hmm? It airs in different time slots around the country. In Melbourne, yeah. it's at like 7.30, and in Brisbane and Sydney, it's buried at 11 o'clock. That's all right, isn't it? Yeah, but that doesn't mean that it's doing well. It means it's doing well in AFL-centric markets, and the, like, the, 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 the numbers the, it gets in Brisbane and Sydney are awesome. The only night that they're not usually sort of head-to-head is Thursday night because that's, uh, that's, that's I when they I reckon this is a bit off topic. The key seems to be that from a share point of view, Let's not break it down because I accept all the arguments Mm. about 90-minute versus one hour and all that kind of stuff. But from a network and primary point of view, that Seven is doing pretty well, and especially in Q2. And James Walberton did a big interview this week talking about the Q2 numbers. They know Q1 Q1. was a disaster. Yeah. Q2 onwards, Seven lifts the game. So much so, it could actually get them to a win for the year. That's going to be the interesting thing. I think there's somewhere in between both of you, to be honest. We cannot deny how well AFL is doing for the Seven Network, and that's why they spend millions of dollars on it. But we also need to acknowledge that while Big Brother may not claim the number one title, it's still doing enough to put Seven in the game and build that audience and get them across the line at the end of the week. So it's the sum of all parts, shall we say. It's going to put us in an interesting position. I reckon in 2021 we're going to see two different networks win primary channel and network wins for the year. Hang on, what do you mean by that? I reckon we'll see nine win primary channel and seven win network. Oh, sorry. Right, I understand. Okay. But it's Q2, right? Everything can Mm. change. Mm. Okay, we're still going to talk a little bit about ratings, but shifting to breakfast, because in the battle for breakfast, Channel 7's Sunrise continues to show its strength. TV Black Box can reveal, in data collated from Oztam and regional audience measurement system RegTam, for the calendar year today, 2021, Sunrise's averaged 438,000 nationally compared to 302,000 for Channel 9's Today Show. That's a lead of 45%. The race is a bit tighter in the Metro figures, but Sunrise remains in the lead by 25% with 254,000 compared to today's 203,000. So... Rod, when we look at the PR battles, what do you think about these figures? Michael makes the point that we should be judging as a national whole and not breaking it down to states. Uh, He finds it, I love the word Mulk used, spurious 
that today makes claims about, you know, gains in Melbourne and on the East Coast and claiming those wins when it really should be about the the nation. What do you think to that? Yeah, look, it, it, Australians are Australians, whether they're in Perth and stuck on Channel 7 or, or whatever. The fact is, yeah, Australians are Australians anywhere across the whole the c- country. It, it should just be Australian numbers total. Do you, do you guys don't agree? Well, what do we think on that? Because PR spin, you know, we, we, we're we often getting ratings reports breaking it down. Mm. Surely it is valid for the Today Show to say, look, we're seeing a trend here on the East Coast. You know, back in the day, Sunrise talked about Queensland because it started getting big numbers in Queensland. Today is saying we're getting some wins and we're making some growth on the East Coast. Now, having said that, Sunrise is still very dominant, hasn't lost a year, you know, like it hasn't lost a day since 2018 or something like that. There's no denying Sunrise is doing amazing but from a spin point of view, is there really any issue talking about gains in certain markets, Rod? It's like anything. They'll, they'll use whatever ammunition to talk up whatever they can. Like uh, Michael Pell, you know, I have a hell of a lot of respect for what they're turning out of Sunrise. Um, and it's if, if nine can gain in particular markets based on what they're doing, well, good luck to them. I'd love to hear their spin. Yeah. Sarah, does this all wash over you when you hear uh, claims and counterclaims? Yeah, I mean, I think, are you popular? Do people watch you? Like, I guess that they have to break it up because people advertise different regional things in different cities. Like, not all. I mean, in the US, you have very regional ratings because every city has local markets that are doing advertising. But in Australia, I'm not sure if, like, everybody is doing such regional because most things are national anyway. So it does confuse me when I've got a national number and then also a city number. Part of me gets it, but part of me thinks it's, like, it's their way of saying, look, like, you know, I didn't win Melbourne, but I totally won Sydney. Mm. Well, look, I know our two ratings gurus want to come in here, but before we get to Malkin Aaron, I want to bring up this point because when I spoke to the executive producer of Sunrise, Michael Pell, last week on the McKnight Tonight podcast, which is in the TV Black Box podcast feed, here's some of what he had to say when asked about how the Today Show is doing. I like some of what they do, but familiar to what we have been doing um, so i don't want i don't want to call copycat but some of it does look very similar <laughs> he doesn't want to call copycat mug but he will uh, <laughs> <laughs> um what do you think about the whole copying scenario and michael let i want to be fair here did say there are things they have copied from overseas you know so he understands there is a lot of looking at what everyone else is doing yeah, and and look, I think when you're in when you're in a market like breakfast television, um, wh- where are your sources for ideas? It comes out of your imagination. It comes out of what you see overseas, and it comes out of what you see your competition are doing. Um, I think that imitation is the sincerest form of flattery, and as long as they're trying to twist it and make it their own thing, they'd be crazy not to. If you're in the number two position, why would you not look at the number one players and go, "I'll have some of what they're having, thanks." But isn't basically all morning television the same? No, see, I resent that because when we launched Studio, Studio 10, 10 how different. different was Studio 10 to what was on 9 yeah, and look, 7? Well done, Grandpa, last year, last 100 years ago. No, 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 and I'm sorry, but I, and I'm sorry to harp on about bloody Studio 10 so what I was and about I try not to do it these days. But my point being, we made significant gains because you were we different. did it differently to the others. And now... They're the same. What happens when you copy the others? You've got no point of difference. I use that as a test case because it shows the difference, Rod. Yeah, look, I, I want... I- I want to remind people of what happens when you try something different. Go back to Ten's experiment with breakfast. I liked breakfast. I think the only thing they got wrong there was uh, the casting. No disrespect to our Kiwi friends, but people didn't want to hear a Kiwi accent over their cornflakes. No. Um, and telling us it, that, uh, saying the words our Prime Minister, that was, yeah, uh, just, that could have been a good show, wrong cast. But uh, casting is the key absolutely. to breakfast. And, and, and that, I thought it was a real shame that they, they messed that up. But it goes to show that people are comfortable. Breakfast TV is like reading a newspaper. People like formats. They like structure. And obviously the Australian audience has been raised on 
Sunrise, Today sort of, they're very similar sort of shows. You'd go too much away from that formula. You're not going to you're not going to win whether it's a, a New Zealand fronting it or an Australian, I don't think. Do, the, do, you, do you think Breakfast could have worked with an Australian host? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, it could have, but I will also argue that I did a format of what today's show could be when it was imploding. Mm. I did a, I did a. Here's how you need to relook at it, and it was a bit of bringing hot topics into the conversation because I do think audiences want to hear a discussion about topics so that they can help form a view. And I think there is room for doing something different in the breakfast slot. They're not going to do that now. They've got Carl and Ali. They've got a very safe formula. They do things a little bit different. To to the sunrise, but they're not going to take the risk of trying a different formula and a different format to try and draw in viewers because they're making gains and that is their story. They have to re-establish who they are. Mm. The, the, the key yes. takeaways out of Michael's conversation with you, Robin, and congratulations, was him acknowledging the changes from Mel uh, to Sam to Nat Mm-hmm. We're critical that you don't have huge yep. changes. You want to manage it. You want to make it so that the audience are comfortable with the changes, that they're not going to sort of be too jarred by what goes on. And unfortunately, the cast changes on the Today Show over the past three years, four years, have been exactly that. They've been very jarring yeah. because there have yep. been large-scale changes. So to, the Today Show have to be in a rebuilding mode. Are they copying Sunrise? Look, not directly. There's always going to be some similarities because it's breakfast television. Um the, the difficulty that that I put with the, you know, um, whether or not we celebrate wins in markets and things here and there, congratulations, Sunrise have won nationally for 100,000 years. Um, good on them. Um, that today should be celebrating a win in Melbourne or a win in anywhere else. Can I just remind you of a conversation, Mr. Chicken and Chips, on Friday um, about mm-hmm. <laughs> how you would celebrate Studio 10's wins as you got mm-hmm. them? Because yep. it's about bolstering the troops and giving them a Correct. go. Add to that, the PR Jedi's job is to slice and dice those numbers to tell the market, look at us winning. That's mm-hmm. their job. Yep. So if you're in a position where you're number two and you've got to say, where did we get a win? You will take it if you want it in Kudamundra. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm, now, look, true. just before we move on, there was one other part of the interview that got a pick up this week, um, and it was labelled on the Daily Mail as Sex Secrets of the Cash Cow, my <laughs> favourite title in years. Um, these were Michael's comments about him wearing the cash cow suit. In in my first week running Sunrise, I did it basically to, A, to make fun of myself, B, to tell everyone that we're all the same, there's no, no, no airs and graces, no one's special. And then I did it again recently because <laughs> the guest greeter who, who normally, um, you know, wears the suit, she um, there was a roster stuff up and she was away and they went, oh, well, we can't do the cow. And I went, yes, we can. <laughs> And then, but I didn't tell the hosts it was me until I sat down next to them and then went, hi. And then they could stop laughing because they were like, why is Michael? (laughs) (laughs) So it was quite a funny moment. And then, but also we had another guy who used to do the cow suit and he used to whisper dirty things to them. Actually, Sam Mack mentioned it in his book and that was a lot of fun. So you can have fun. I mean, a lot of what happens behind the scenes is a lot of fun too. And that's to carry the energy through to the screen, hopefully to the viewers. Because again, the viewer is the number one priority. How we get there... How we make a show and what processes we have to go through to make that happen is our problem. It's all about getting to the viewer and giving them what they want. They're they're the bosses. They're the real bosses. He was very generous in that interview, and I'm very grateful to Michael for doing that. Uh, Mark, you wanted to say something? Are, are you saying, Rob, that the fifth longest serving cast member of Sunrise isn't a real cow? we do peel back the curtain here on the uh tv black box so yes that uh we do have to acknowledge that but um uh thank you to michael for doing that i've had so many people reach out to me talking about uh that interview and just how open Michael was. He doesn't do many interviews these days. Um, So thank you, Michael. All right, let's move on because as the current crop of shows get ready to wind up, 7 and 10 have both launched big promos for some of their upcoming shows, Survivor and The Voice. They're on the horizon for both networks and both networks are trying to whet our appetite. First, let's take a listen to 10's tease for Survivor. This year, this year, two tribes... We'll answer the age-old question. Brains? Brains? Or brawn? I'm going to be a very resilient player. Make the best strategic decision in any moment. Made my mark on football. 
and I'd love to be able to make my mark on Survivor. Playing Survivor in the Australian Outback is going to add a whole new dimension this year. Scorching days. Scorching days. Freezing nights. They will have to survive. one of the most dangerous locations on the planet. And here is Seven's promo for The Voice, which features coaches Rita Ora, Keith Urban, Jessica Malboy and Guy Sebastian singing Justin Timberlake's global hit, Can't Stop the Feeling. Sarah, did these hit the mark for you? Um, there was a lot of American accents in the first one. I found that interesting. Hmm. Um, and then the second one, it's a new cast, so that's kind of also interesting. Yeah, look, I've got to say, I felt like both promos missed the mark, and these are two shows I'm really looking forward to. Survivor, Brains vs. Brawn, interesting concept. How will they do it in Australia, I, I can't wait to see it. And the Survivor production has been brilliant. And The Voice, I think, is going to be brilliant with this lineup of judges. But I've got to say, the, in the promo, these people who have made a billion clips have trouble miming. You know, they're miming <laughs> to their own singing. And I felt like, uh, was the music playing on the day? What's happened here? And even the uh, the concept was great. I really liked a lot of the visuals, even though some of it felt a little bit... Contrived. Oh, she's on... Uh, uh, well, Jessica Malboy on some random bridge. It's not even uh, a huge, you know, it's not the Story Bridge or the Sydney Harbour Bridge or even it's South Bank in Melbourne. You know, like there's lots of iconic places. This just looked like some bridge over Redfern or something I love, like that. I, I must admit, the, 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 voice, the voice promo snuck up on me. I just got back, uh, I got to the hotel room, turned on the TVs, getting ready to watch Big Brother, and it came on and it just stuck up on me and it took me a while to realise what it was and I thought, this is one of the best promos I've ever seen because no, it wasn't, here comes the greatest series yeah. of The Voice. It snuck up on me and took me by surprise. And it, not just the stellar cast. I thought it was beautifully produced and was just a little bit more of a slow burn than your average The Greatest Series of it The Voice is coming. beautifully produced. Yeah. I just don't know if it hit the mark for me. And the integration of the actual footage... Seemed, the footage seemed low quality and just mm. didn't work for me. But, Mike, you're trying to jump in? Go, go, go. The... Um, the the song is great. Yes. For a dance agree. show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <good point>. <laughs> <laughs> hadn't thought of it that way. It reminds me of the happy. No, but remember when B105, uh, when Today FM did the happy ad and it, like that went around for ages because it was like they mm -hmm. were trying to guess who was going to be the new people. So I liked. Did them no favours in the ratings. No, but I liked the choice of song. I thought that the song was upbeat and nice. It was just. I don't know. I just. But where was Sonia? Oh, good point. Oh, she was yeah. sick that day. Big Brother filming. <laughs> Who knows? She was busy making the other eight shows she's on. Yeah, true. <laughs> why, why at the end of that couldn't you have had Sonia go to do the microphone and all of them look at her and go, nah. Because you every know, like... other promo that Sonia, for a show that Sonia's hosted, has ended with Sonia. Yeah. Well, It actually shows that, this, that The Voice, though, is about the coaches... I mean, it was described in the media release as a first look. It wasn't a first look. It was a promo because they didn't look at any part of the actual show. But, <laughs> but um, you know, when they're doing a promo for The Voice, there's no contestants in there at all. Nobody gives a shit know, about the contestants. It. <laughs> oh, no, that's the right, isn't about the contestants. Point. It's about the judges. Of course it's it about is. the judges. <laughs> it is 100% because at the first part, it's like, oh, come on my team, join my team. And then once it's on, it's who wins. And who cares who yep. wins? It's about the judge who wins. It's mm. all about them. What about the Survivor one? I, I must admit, uh, 
it feels like the same movie being remade with another cast in a different location. But <laughs> come on, scream me down for that. Yeah. yeah, but all we saw was brawn and one brain. Mm. Like, because I'm there trying to work out, I'm there trying to work out in challenges, how are the brains going to meet the brawns? Unless they're buff, brainy people, right? So give me a taste of how you're going to skew the game that the brains get a chance. I don't know. I, I just felt like... Um, if they follow the US model, it'll be a whole bunch of... Um, brawn focused challenges to start with and then in come all these brain challenges it was never mixed up it was always let's basically cut this group down and then all of a sudden oh crap we're in the toilet um i hold grave fears for this franchise that i love and i think that 10 have done a, a pretty great job on survivor australia survivor in australia doesn't have a great history and yeah, so true. Uh, the the Australian version doesn't, but when the American version came to Australia, that it was, the was amazing. Yeah, it was the second it was series, and they did a fine job. But it went on to bigger, 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 bigger. To come back to Australia, which I understand for COVID, ten have had to do. I totally get that. They're going to have to work really hard to deliver, and I'm not sure that the brains versus brawn format is the right one for them to do it with. But I'm going to tune in. There's no right. ifs and buts about it. Let 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 let. Let, let's face it, it's just going to be Big Brother outside of the house. Well, Big Brother <laughs> is Survivor inside a house now, you know. Like, are we allowed to say that? I, I'd last oh, no, one week on Big Brother, yeah, yeah. if that. Hey, hey Rob, they, these are visual promos, don't forget. So as if you wouldn't want to use the bronze uh, segment of the uh, of the show, you know, over the brains. It's a it's a visual promo. People want to see the brawn. Oh, you want to get yeah, the eye candy you, and absolutely. You can achieve both. You I don't know. have they, hot, just... rainy people. No, you can't. It, it just tried to, us. Yeah, it just tried Aaron to feel big, but it didn't feel big. And I think there, I, I, I just don't think they did a great promo, to be honest, for Survivor. Um, the voice, uh, Rod loves it. I, love I actually it. do like the promo. I just found the miming an issue. Um, it so was it Rita I, I don't Aura get me that wrong. gets out of the limousine right at the start, yeah. start of that promo. I yeah. thought she was going to roll her ankle. That first foot that she puts down. <laughs> I know. Actually, it's funny you say that. She looks wobbly in heels, and I thought, because I assumed it was Sonia, and I went, Sonia can walk in heels better than that. That was actually the thought I had when I first (laughs) watched that promo. And then then I was thrown because it was Rita Ora, and I went, oh. And then she's miming, and I'm like, is she not miming to her own singing? And I went through all these emotions trying to work out the promo because their miming was that bad. I wonder how many people are now going to go back and actually watch this promo again because I didn't notice the the miming or the ankle roll looking oh, thing I now. So I'm, I'm curious to finish. You this can podcast find it on tvblackbox.com.au. Go and check it out. I actually yes, I indeed. actually went back because in the first shot to me it looked like Rita had a shaved head like mine is right now and yes. like Malks is and then she has long hair and I had to go back and be like wait wait is her hair pinned up or is she wearing a wig like that was my issue. Mm. Mm. Well, we cover the big issues here on TV Black Box more <laughs> at tvblackbox.com.au. Now it's time for Hatches and Dispatches with Sarah. Thanks, Rob. Australian Ninja Warrior will return to nine on Sunday, June 20th with new obstacles, new contestants and a new commentator, tennis star Nick Kyrgios. The course is also being moved to Sydney Olympic Park and is said to be the toughest yet. <laughs> Foxtel has released an official casting call for The Great Australian Bake Off after TV Black Box exclusively revealed earlier this year that the show would be returning. Producers are searching for amateur cooks who have not worked professionally or completed any relevant qualifications. After Ed Punchard stepped away from Western Australian production house Prospero Productions last month, Julia Redwood has become the sole owner and director. The company is now run by an all-female management team. Despite COVID-19 lockdowns in Melbourne causing havoc to local productions, Celebrity MasterChef at this stage is still going ahead. Filming is set to start filming from July 15th for three weeks. And that is this week's Hatches and Dispatches. Thank you, Sarah. In a moment, should private social media accounts be considered professional social media accounts and aligned with their employer? Plus, we'll open the TV binge box to find out what everyone's been watching. This is TV Black Box. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? 
For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. All right, to our big issue now, and should the social media accounts of ABC employees be considered official accounts? The issue came up at Senate Estimates this week when Liberal Senator James Patterson questioned ABC Managing Director David Anderson about the use of social media in relation to the Christian Porter defamation settlement. We pick up where Anderson was being asked about Four Corners, executive producer Sally Neighbour, who initially tweeted factually incorrect information regarding the settlement. For ABC staff members that have a personal social media account, uh, you know, my preference is that they do not speak on behalf of the ABC, of course. Um, they're entitled to their own view as long as it accords with our code of conduct and our personal use of social media guidelines. Uh, on this occasion, I felt that that needed to be uh, corrected as fast as possible. Hmm. Is it really a personal social media account when ABC staff use it to exclusively promote ABC content? Miss Neighbour, for example, often tweets... Uh, uh, she's often the first person to tweet about an upcoming Four Corners episode, uh, material she only has as an ABC employee. It's not really a personal account, is it? It's a professional account. It is a personal account. We have separate uh, professional accounts. It is her personal account. Uh, and, yes, uh, not just Ms Neighbour, but other journalists will do the same thing. Uh, again, uh, they must... Uh, anybody who is, is active on social media must abide by our code of conduct and the personal use of social media guidelines. And what are the consequences when they fail to meet that code of conduct? Uh, look, I've made that quite clear and I've given it in before, Senator, Senator that um, if... So we have social media... Uh, policy when it comes to our specific accounts, but for use of personal social media, it's captured in the code of conduct that it may result sort of failure or breach of that code of conduct, may result in disciplinary action, which includes termination at its most possible outcome. And in this instance, what uh, action has been taken? Uh, Senator, well, no action's been taken. I don't see um, any... Nothing's been brought to my attention at the moment that I believe to be a breach of the Code of Conduct. Uh, that said, uh, I have not looked at all social media activity in the last week. Uh, if somebody wants... Somebody raises something with me, I'll certainly look at it. So an ABC employee can tweet false things about a settlement the ABC has entered into, and as long as they delete it, there are no consequences? I don't believe that was maliciously... Uh, done. I don't think. I don't believe that was the intention. And the the, the tweet was deleted. Others Another might disagree with your characterisation that it wasn't malicious. I mean, it, it's pretty clear that um, Ms. David was trying to celebrate the ABC's resolution of this issue. So very quick to do that. Um, it seemed like a very excited tweet. Um, I think some people might believe that it was some malicious element to it. There is no way that Ms. Neighbour would have known what was in the deed of settlement. Well, why is she tweeting about it then? Uh, it's a question for Ms Neighbour as to why she was... Well, perhaps it's a question for her employer, who's sitting before the Senate committee right now. Well, Senator, she was uh, reading from a statement that the ABC had made. It was a broad statement that was put out. Uh, and I think that there's an error in the transposing of what was in that statement to what she tweeted. Hmm. Um, what does that say about the uh, quality control uh, at the ABC when a senior producer is getting basic, important, factual questions wrong and tweeting about them? I think it was an error, Senator, and I think uh, Ms Neighbour corrected that. OK, I wanted to play a big chunk of that exchange so we could get a real sense of the issue. Rod, I think James Patterson does raise an interesting point in that these ABC employees are tweeting information they're only getting because of their job. Does that change it from being a personal account to a professional account? I think anyone that's got the privilege of having a, a public voice, and let's face it, even us, we've got our own small voice, you've got to be careful what you say and whatever information you've got. I'm privy to certain stuff I would never discuss here in a public forum, and I'm, I'm, I'm nothing of a voice compared to an ABC journo. I, as I say, I think you've just got to be very careful what you say. It's, it's an interesting question of ethics in journalism and broadcasting. Um, that's all I can say. You've just got to be careful what you say. So, so Mark. I do think people are entitled to have their private accounts, but there is a blurring of the lines when you're promoting the content you're producing. People are proud of what they do as far as work goes. Yeah, I, th I think, and it's, it's not just confined to television, let me tell you, that it is 
a mess, this notion that your employer has any say over what you say on social media. Um, I I understand codes of conduct and I appreciate that people represent the business that they work for and so therefore should it be only the posts that they make during work hours that count or, you know, how all of that plays out, I I don't understand it. Um, Absolutely, people who are involved in television and make a program should be shouting about it. They should be wanting to get as many people as they can to watch the program that they made because they're proud of it, you would hope. Um, As to errors that happen on social media, well, look, unless you now want to subscribe to Twitter Blue to give you an undo tweet option, um, if you make a mistake, you have to delete it, you have to correct it. That's just how life is. And that's just how life is if you make a mistake IRL. Like if you say the wrong thing and then you go, oh, that was the wrong information, it's up to you to go, hey, uh, Sarah, that thing I told you, that's not totally correct. I'm sorry, I got it wrong. This is the actual situation. Like, social media isn't um, golden. It's not one tweet, off I go, here I go, success. It's it's made by people who will make mistakes and all of those sorts of things. So I think that the Senate is honestly laying into this whole ABC bias that the government have. Mm. What do you think, Karen? Uh, look, I think the ABC is like many government organisations. I, I work for a government organisation, um, which I won't name, but I if, if I wrote on my personal Twitter account something about, you know, I can't think of something like uh, fat people are only fat because they eat too much KFC, and someone out there that, that knows me from my work rings up my work and complains about what I'm saying, I actually can get disciplined for that. If I go to a pub and I'm I'm drunk and I out spewing in the gutter outside and someone rings my workplace and says, I don't think that's, you know, good of that person to be doing that. I can actually get disciplined for that. Your, your, your work seems to completely own your total life. And so I think holistically, you know, you know, that's the argument. The ABC are in the same category as everybody else. I mean, is that right? I mean, I, I understand not bringing your company into disrepute, but having your own personal opinion and, or acting socially the way that you want to and then possibly being disciplined for that is 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 pretty bad i mean it's huge well here's the thing isn't it sarah that we live in a free society where we're supposed to be able to express our views but companies will fire people for not aligning with their values well and you know that when you hire on most companies when you hire on will tell you what the policy is um i also worked for a government agency for a while and you know we had to be very careful about you know all of our social media stuff and we weren't allowed to post certain things. But even people who don't put in their profile that they work for a company and or, you know, you see people that have in their thing and they're like, views are my own, not of my employer. But, you know, and when it comes to journalists, if you're having a very far left or far right opinion, especially if you work at the ABC, well, then people know that you're not unbiased when you're doing your journalist reporting. And maybe that's good, maybe that's bad. But even Mm. people who don't have in their bio who they work for, you see all the time in cancel culture that someone says something that someone else doesn't agree with and the internet goes crazy and will, you know, hunt down this person and search for them, work out who they work for. They'll, like, hunt down LinkedIn, be like, look for this name, Mm. find the following picture, and that person will end up fired whether they're working for, you know, a government agency or not. So I think today... Yes, I don't agree with your opinions. I'm going to bring you down. But there is a difference between an ABC employee due to the nature of their job. But the problem is, what if you took someone like me and I started working for the ABC, I've got a long history of tweets where I give, and the Andrew and Robbo show, this very podcast, where I've sprouted my views on just about everything. Well, that's why you have two Twitter accounts. I have Sarah Monaghan and I have Shrimp Tank. And one is very clean and, you know, innocuous. And the other one says what I think when I'm drunk. So, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I know which one I like. Um, All right, it's a very interesting one. But look, before we go, it's time to open the TV binge box and find out what everyone's been watching. Rod, what's been on your list this week? Um, Best thing I've seen the last week is the David Foster documentary, Off the Record, on Netflix. One of the biggest music producers in the world. Just a fascinating insight to someone that's been at the top of their game, had a real roller coaster ride of a life. Um, Highly recommend it. Now, Last week I mentioned Stateless, the ABC production, drama production, good Australian production mm. drama. Sorry to be getting back to ABC bias, but 
watched the end of it. it. It's such a well-made thing. I'm a pretty hard nut. It brought tears to my eyes. And who should be watching it? Sorry to get political, but if you're a fan of the stop the boat policy that Tony Abbott was so proud of, you must watch Stateless. Um, Mayor of East Town, we talked about that. Yeah, watched the finale. Yes, I've watched it twice. I know, Mog, you watched it three times back to back. And the only other thing I've been watching a lot of, and I know we don't talk a lot about sport on this this podcast, but <laughs> I do have a little bit interest in Grand Prix motorcycle racing. There's two Australians doing very, very well on two wheels. Jack Miller in the Premier Class MotoGP. Remy Gardner, son of Wayne Gardner, who was Australia's first ever motorcycle Grand Prix champion. He's coming, he's leading the World Championship in Moto2. So if you want to have a little sporting break that's not cricket, football, tennis, watch a bit of MotoGP. Okay, thank you, Rod. Hey, I've got to say, I haven't watched a lot, but I did get to watch the first two episodes of Loki this week. Thrilled, amazing, loved it. Uh, can't wait to read your review as it goes up today, Mulk. I know you've seen it and you've done the review on it. Is it a thumbs up or thumbs down for you? Yeah, it's it's in the same vein as WandaVision. I'm absolutely stoked with Loki and how it's turned out, mm. at least the two episodes that we got to see on preview. Um, so that'll be great. Just in my uh, other spare time, I managed to dive into a new Netflix series called Sweet Tooth. Um, which is a delightful fantasy, uh, another comic book come to life. It's a DC franchise about mm. a, a global pandemic that sweeps the world and kills millions of people. And at the same time as that happens, when babies are born, they're born as hybrids. So part human, part puppy. Oh, I've seen that advertised. It is What's phenomenal. that called, Mark? It's called Sweet Tooth. Uh, the central character, Gus, is a boy who was born as part deer, part human. Um, and he's a perfectly human boy, except that he has antlers, deer ears, an enhanced sense of hearing and smell. And what platform is that on? Netflix. Okay. It's brilliant. Great for it, a little bit scary. So certainly I would say sort of probably pre-teens or teens up. Um, there are some scary moments, but it's excellent. Okay. Sarah, what have you been watching? So, I've actually watched TV this week. We watched, <laughs> I know, um, we watched Don't Fuck With Cats, which was the mm-hmm. documentary where they caught the serial killer. Uh, I've been meaning to watch that. Yeah, it's it's fascinating because uh, I, I, I felt a lot of it because at my old job as an analyst, I did a lot of that stuff. Um, Mayor of Easttown, which was yep. really good. Um, of course, NCIS. Uh, I think we're up to season six again. Um <laughs> we watched uh, a movie last night from like 2010 with Owen Wilson called No Escape, which is where he takes his family to Thailand. And the first day he's there, there's a military coup where they uh, try and kill all of the foreigners. Um, we watched Handmaid's Tale, and then um, we've started watching The Under, which is a complete fantasy piece. Mm. Don't don't look at it like a documentary. It's very well done, but it is not factual in any way because FYI there was zero trains in the Underground Railroad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was all, yes. Okay, good list. Aaron, what about you? Uh, of course, watching Big Brother, I'm starting to understand the audience frustration with some of the twists. I mean, everyone likes some twists, but the, the twists manipulate the game so much um, that any type of strategy that someone has could be disintegrated in two seconds. But isn't that the beauty, Aaron? And, and Big Brother is the other one I've been watching, but... I love that, and I love how that plays out. Yeah, but it manip- manipulates to a point where whatever strategy that they're trying to put put in, Big Brother can make it so that like someone else could actually win win a challenge or get through an eviction. Like it's actually Big Brother doing it, not the actual contestants. I, I don't know. I'm just a bit. I think that might be a learning lesson for Seven. They'll they'll look at that. Whether they change that or not is a different story. But it, it has been some feedback. So. You know, mm. um, loving, of course, Yell and Sugar boardroom scenes on The Celebrity Apprentice, which Rob says is 15 minutes. <laughs> um, I can't get enough of Have You Been Paying Attention. <laughs> so simple, um, but but so funny. But the last thing I, I'd like to say, I'm a huge champion of free-to-air television in Australia. Want a champion, you know, they're losing stuff to the streaming audience and stuff like that. But Channel 10... I just want a show outside, of course, MasterChef and have you been paying attention to watch? They said they were going to program for 50 weeks a year and next week it's double repeat NCIS Tuesday, double repeat Bull Wednesday and double repeat um, 
SVU on Thursdays and a repeat schedule on Friday and Saturday nights outside the living room. I mean, that is a summer schedule. Um, but is that because they're slaves to the US broadcast Well, dates? the US had shortened seasons, um, obviously, because of COVID. So they've actually got to the season finales already. Normally, that would go a, a bit longer. But, mm-hmm. I mean, they're not using the, the, the slot after that, like the 9.30 slot for anything else. I mean, I mean, not that they would use this on the main channel, but the US series MacGyver has signed off forever. That's finished. Um, and they're sitting on the whole entire season. They're not even showing it on 10 Bold. I mean... That, that, yeah, that, but it's terrible. That's why. Well, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean... But if, you, if, they've got if one, you've got NCIS and Bull back to back, somebody obviously has a crush on Michael Weatherby. it's just there's a lot of they have some other programming that they they could put i mean even late night they're sitting on a couple of months worth episodes of celebrity name game they could put that on at 10 30 as some late night fodder some new content it's just literally repeat after repeat after 9 30 it's it just oh sorry after 8 30 it's it's just quite it's just embarrassing a little bit it would be great to see some new content in there that we can talk about on tv black box and say you know well they've got this great show this great show it's just I just think it's a bit embarrassing at the moment. but Okay, fair enough. All right, well, that brings us to the end of this edition of TV Black Box. Don't forget, subscribe to the TV Black Box newsletter by going to tvblackbox.com.au slash newsletter. And for all your TV news, exclusives, interviews, the latest information, go to tvblackbox.com.au. We'll see you next week. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.